We thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your goodness, for your mercy, God, for your long-suffering, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you are loving kindness, that you keep covenant to a thousand generations, Lord God. We come before you, Lord God, knowing, God, that this is the, this is the, the, age of the finest hour of the church, God. And I pray, Father, that you would raise up a body of believers, a bride of Christ, Lord, who has adorned herself and made herself ready, Lord, I pray. God, open our ears to hear today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to sort of keep talking about intercession, but going to start to take a different avenue altogether. And I want you to turn to Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter today. Deuteronomy 16. We're going to talk about gates. Gates. I'm going to fail. i got to quit drinking in the morning. So, you know, drinking on an empty stomach. You know how that is. Just kidding, y'all. Just kidding. So, I know, that's right. You said not judge free, judgment-free zone, right? Yeah. So, if, if you want to get in somewhere... How many of you take the, you go through the gate? Gate, right? I mean, there's a gate. Now, funny story, when I was a kid, we had a, a gate that went to my grandmother's house. And so I was always that kid who wanted to get into everything. And so this gate had those, had slants on it, you know, bars, what I'm trying to say, had bars. So the gate was closed, and all I had to do was open the gate it was a metal gate. My dad was a welder, and so he always, everything, pipe, fence, everything was welded, everything around, everything that was built was made out of metal and pipe. And so, had little skinny pipes about like this, and it was welded, you know, and you just open it, always, you know. And so, I decided this one day, I don't want to open that gate. No, no, I'm going to go through those bars. I can fit through those bars. Now, why, why, why? No, I started with my head. Oh, my Lord. I was bent over like a calf. I mean, a pig, I think, would be better. And I couldn't get it out. Well, then you start panicking, you know what I mean? And I'm bent over. I'm just a kid, and I'm bent over, and I'm trying to stand up. And as I stand up, you know, the top bar, and I'm screaming, and I'm trying to get somebody's attention. So finally, my dad comes out there. And what have you done, you little idiot? That in our house used to say idiot or moron was like a term of endearment. You know what I mean? We, kids weren't as sensitive in our house as they are now. Now, you know, you'll CPS, you can't say anything. You know, you're a bad parent. So, and so my dad's like, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And I, he said, I think I'm, of course, he said, I think I'm going to have to get a cutting torch. Well, yeah, so anyway, it came down to Vaseline. Yeah, so it's my head. I learned. He said, I, I guarantee you I never put my head through that gate again. But I'm telling you, I said all that to say this. When you're going through something, when you want to make an entrance in, open the gate. If you want to keep something out, close the gate. Don't try to squeeze in some alternate way. You might get yourself in trouble. But listen to this. Deuteronomy 16 and 18, it says, We... Um, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. The gate that is being talked about, Moses is giving the tribes, all the children of Israel, instructions before they go into the promised land. And he's telling them that when you get there, you're going to build cities. And then when you build a city, I want you to set up the gates of the city. Now, the gates are actual, an actual physical gate, right? A gate. The thing I got my head stuck in was an actual physical gate. But then there's also, the gate is also a metaphorical or symbolic place. It's the, it's not just, the, it's the government. It's the government of the city happened. At, I want you to set up judges at the gate. What would we call that in our vernacular today? Where do we set up judges? The court. We go to the Hunt County is the county seat, or Greenville is the county seat of Hunt County. 
How do we know that? There's a courthouse on the square, right? That's where issue, see, it's still the same thing. We set up, Hunt County set up a gate in Greenville. So any crimes that are committed in Hunt County are going to have to be dealt with at the gate. And there are judges set up to deal with whatever happened in that jurisdiction at the gate. That's how it works. This is exactly how it worked there as well. When they said the gate, anything that was done, they would go to the gate. They, so you think courthouse. Yeah, I get that. So now it just starts to clear up so much. But then as we look through the biblical text and we start talking about gates, then other things, the typology starts to weave in to what we're talking about. And then not only are we talking about literal gates or courts or places of jurisdiction where governmental affairs happen, but we also have the, the symbolic gates in government. Now, when Jesus talked and preached on the earth, what was his one-point sermon? One point, he preached it everywhere he went. He had one point that he preached. Does anybody know? Well, one-point sermon. The kingdom of God has come. That was his one-point sermon. One point. Now you're like, no, he said a lot. Everything that he talked was about the entrance of the kingdom. Every miracle was to demonstrate how the kingdom functions. Everything he did was to welcome and bring the subjects to the place of the gate of a new kingdom. And he, as the judge of all judges, now when we think of judges in a biblical text, what should be our reference to a judge in a biblical text? Anybody want to give it a shot? Huh? Well, there's one book. It's called Judges. See, that wasn't tricky at all. You just sounded tricky, didn't it? You're like, oh, this is going to be a trick. Watch out. She asks those questions and she goes, kills you with the microphone cord. Judges. So when we look at the book, now when we think of a judge, there are similarities. But when we think of a judge in a Western context, all of you, because y'all are all Westerners, you just pictured probably a man. How many pictured a man? Just be honest, you know, in a black robe. Now we know it can be a woman, but your instant go-to was a man in a black robe sitting on, how many of y'all put him on a high bench? And how many had a gavel in his hand or nearby? See? You know. You know. You've seen. You, even if you've never been to a court yourself, you've seen enough movies to know what a judge is. Now, we have, and that's the place where governmental things are accomplished at the gate. But now, in a biblical context, a judge, while did decide between right and wrong, was a person who was supposed to take the law. Now, what was the law? The Torah. And they were to interpret law according to, say, you got a problem with her. Y'all come, your problem, not really, right? You're like, mm, <laughs> your problem, you tell me what your side, right? And I listen to your side. And I'm like, okay, he did what to you? His dog bit you. And then you had blood poisoning and you poisoned his dog and now he's suing you it's California law he's suing you he's suing you because you killed his dog when he bit you yeah now that you know so I'm gonna come in and go okay hmm if I'm a California judge I'm gonna go you need to pay him for the loss of a dog but I'm not a California judge I'm a kingdom judge and so I've got the the law and I'm gonna say I'm going to say, your dog, your problem. You need to pay her for her injuries, pain, and suffering. Because I'm going to put humans over people, right? You know, that's how, so that's, 
I told you, I didn't get, you're going to have to fill in the blanks because I didn't get enough sleep last night. This is on you. Okay. So that is how, that's how a judge would operate. That was one facet. And we're all cool with that. We're like, yeah, that's check. I got it. But then what else did a judge, what was another name for a judge? Book of Judges. Think Book of Judges. What's another name for a judge? Go, Mike. Very good. Ding, 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 ding. A deliverer. Judges are called deliverers. And what did they do? I'm going to have to sign y'all the reading the book of Judges, apparently. I mean, y'all are going to need to, and I'm telling you, if I read the book of Judges, I get in such a bad mood. Mike, am I telling the truth? <laughs> he will say, he will ask me. I'll be like going around. I don't know. I just get ticked. I do. Don't I? He, he asked me one day. He said, are you reading Judges? <laughs> yes. How did you know? He said, you just get this mm, next level aggression when you read Judges. Why? Because I get mad at all the idiots. I can't help it. I can't help it. I feel it deeply. And so it just annoys me. When I read the story of Samson, by the time I'm end, I end with him, I'm just going to be honest. I'm glad he's dead. Y'all, I know. Y'all are like, I mean, from... From sleeping with a prostitute at Gaza and you got entrapped there and now you're going to carry the gates to the, of Hebron and, and you're just doing all these exploits in the midst of your profanity. You had this strength. You had all of this ability. You had the possibility to be a true deliverer, a person who stood for righteousness, a place where the kingdom could step through you and you could actually oversee and decide between the affairs and to uphold the poor and the needy and you could help people. But instead, instead... You took your gifting and you heaped it upon your own self. And I'll go through that and the Lord will go, my, my, sounds, sounds familiar, Andrea. I don't know, I've seen that somewhere before. I, I've seen that. I, I've seen that rerun. I've heard that song with a different verse. I've, I've seen, I've seen my intercessors do that through the ages. I see that on Sunday morning, Monday, I, I see it. See, that's the reality, and I have to look at it and say, oh God, don't let me use the giftings in a greater anointing than Samson. Don't let me squander because I don't have the eyesight to see the magnitude of what has been done for me, in me, through me, with me, and what has been made available to me. Oh God, give me actually a heart that matches yours step for step so that when I, like Moses, am on a mountain and I'm in the clear, in the clear, God ain't mad at me, in the clear. And he's saying, I'm going to destroy this people of yours. That's God speaking to Moses. And Moses I'm going to raise you up and make you into a great, great nation. The next thing that Moses said wasn't, awesome, God, I knew I was up for promotion. 
It's about time somebody saw my worth. About time somebody started giving me the honor that I was due. I think so, God. Yeah, they're all a bunch of no goods down there. Just destroy them and let's just raise up another through me. Maybe that was a test of the delivery broadcast system. See, we hear the text, but if it's not a legitimate possibility, is it a test? If it's not legitimate, would God have raised Moses up? I mean, we think it's... In Moses' mind, everything was 100% plausible and possible, right? But Moses' heart was the same heart with the one he was talking with. And he said, oh God, if you're going to kill them, kill me too. And one man, without an ego complex, one man who wasn't trying to outrun the insecurities of being raised as a Hebrew in an Egyptian palace. You talk about an inferiority complex? He could have had one, right? I mean, he he was an Egyptian. I mean, he was, a, he was raised as an Egyptian, but there was never any question whether or not he was Hebrew. He was always going to be, you know, subpar, right? A little bit. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm just reading too much into text, but I mean, come on. He had, I believe, now, he had ever, even if we take that off, and you say, no, he was raised in grandeur, lap of luxury, and it does say that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. It says all of those things, but... He goes on to become a sheep herding nobody, quasi-nobody. I mean, his, his dad is a, is a big wig. I mean, his father-in-law is a big wig. It seems like he's always right there, second man to the big wigs. See what I mean? I mean, that, that time on Sinai could have been... I don't know. He could have seen himself as this is my, this is my moment. That's a Barbie theme song if y'all don't know. (laughs) I mean, he could have seen, he could have said this is my moment not to be, you know what I mean? And so much of our disqualification comes in the kingdom of God, in our judgment status our deliverer status because we fail to see our eye, ourselves through the lens of humility and what God calls and extols, extols, raises it up to the place of highest honor and achievement. We don't give out these awards too often. As a matter of fact, I've heard of none meekness what is meekness pray tell this is to me the greatest qualification for an intercessor is me and when I'm talking about intercession don't remove just prayer prayer is one facet of intercession intercession is the whole of your life The whole of your life is intercession. It's not just a few prayers that you pray for the good of another. It is the whole of your life. It's when you pay your bills, are you an intercessor? It's how you live your life in the world. Are you an intercessor? It's how you manage your credit. Are you an intercessor? It's how you conduct yourselves before your employer. Are you an intercessor? It's how you demonstrate the kingdom of God. It's how you represent. This is 
What kind of gate are you? You just are. You just are. See, intercession is who we are. Corinthians says this, that he has given us the ministry of, who can finish it for me? Reconciliation. Reconciliation is a person who stands as an intercessor between two parties, bringing the two parties into right standing. That is the ministry of every child of God. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, how many of you know what the judgment seat of Christ is? When I say that, you're like, yeah, I know that. I know what that is. Raise, I really want you to raise your hand. I want to know if I have to st- spend a lot of time to explain it. Good. At the judgment seat of Christ, that will be what you will be graded on. How you conducted yourself on this earth as an intercessor. That puts a whole nother spin on it, doesn't it? How did you... advertise? How did you step into the gaps? How did you go to bat? How did you bring two parties in? And that's not always, let me tell you, that's not always just soup and soap. What do I mean by soup and soap? I think you'll know what I mean, don't you? You don't know, that's not always just Feed them and clean them. Oh, here's a bath and here's something for your belly. Here's something for your outside skin and here's something for your inside belly. I'm doing it, Lord. I'm, that's easy. It really is. That is so freaking easy to pick, give soup to a hungry person and bathe a dirty person. And I'm all for it. Do it. Do it by all means. But there's a part of the intercessory quality that you just are missing. And that you have to be a person who is willing to stand at the place of truth. And you have to be willing to declare, this is what the Word says. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. This is what, you can't be shacked up with your girlfriend calling yourselves a common law marriage and expecting the Lord to bless you. You can't be doing the thing, you're saying you're being judgmental. I'm called a judge. I mean, see, now, judging in the context of not being judging someone, least you not be judged, is bringing the final conclusion of the verdict. Right? Closing, hammering, that's God. He's the ultimate judge. You know what I mean? He's, we'll call it the Supreme Court. We as delivering, we are, we are gates. We are gates. There's governmental things happening in our lives. And we have to step into that understanding. The gate is a place of judgment. Judges and officers sat there to execute judicial decisions. So it's a place of law. People are punished at the gate. People are, verdicts are decided at the gate. Now, that is in the large context of we as the people of God and how we, how we step into intermediary roles. I mean, I have on more than one occasion told people what they didn't want to hear. And they don't want to hear it. it. It's not. That's it. I told a woman one time that we told, we told one of our closest friends one time years ago. He said, him and his wife, ugly divorce. He was going after the custody of the children. Mike told him, he said, don't do it. 
what? What do you mean don't do it? She's wrong and I'm right. And you know the whole story. I mean, my gosh. I mean, it plays out all the time. Mike said, don't do it. Don't do it. What do you expect me to do? That's what's right. He said, that's what feels right to you. Speaking from your hurt. He said, what you need to do is you need to suck it up and you need to make any type of reconciliation you can with her for the sake of your children. He said, because you don't know what this is going to cost you. This is what he said. He said, you need to agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way to the court. Because you cannot see how this verdict is going to play out. You don't know, and you can't undo what you've already done. And to this day, to this day, that man has no contact with his two adult children. Did he see it that day? All he saw. And so Mike stood there as a judge. He stood there as a gate, a deliverer. He was delivering him from what was coming. But he wouldn't hear it. And so I want us to begin to see our lives through the role of an intercessor. Not an intercessor, like I said, in prayer, but an intercessor. Do you see how this changes how you talk to people? How you pay your bills? How you, how you live? How you conduct your conversations? There's a, there's, you're an entrance to the kingdom of God. No wonder Jesus said completely outstanding things like you're either gathering men in or what are you doing? Or you're scattering them abroad. Because we have this ministry of reconciliation. And there's something powerful about that. Now, I want to go on and I want to talk about the fact as we move into this, that's in a corporate way. But see, I want to talk about today, I want to talk about what is the actual, what is the actual gate of our life. Now, we are a gate. But in our lives, we can allow in the kingdom of darkness or we can allow in the kingdom of God. How many of y'all believe that? I mean, that's just, that's a fact. So we choose how we swing that gate. We choose. Now, I want us to begin to uncover what is it about me, my makeup as a human being. Where is, pray tell, this gate. It's your mind. That's the gate. Now, let me show you how this works. Let me show you how it works. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 21 and 1. I want somebody to go there for me. 1 Chronicles, not everybody has to go there. 1 Chronicles 21 and 1. I want somebody to go to Matthew 16, 23. And then I want somebody to go to um, John 13 and 2. And then I want, I'll go to Acts 5. Yes, 1 Chronicles, no, 21 1. 1 Chronicles 21 1. And I'm going to go to Acts 5. Who has 1 Chronicles 21 and 1? I want you to listen to this. That's all right. Uh-huh. Okay, so what did it say? Who put, who put the idea into David to number Israel? Where did that idea go? Just wondering, asking for a friend. Right here. Satan put it in, hey, David, you ought to see how strong you are. You know, you are God's anointed man. You are, you know, this, that, and the other. It was, 
Satan who put it in his mind. David took it from, he made it in the gate. David took it from the gate. What did he do? He took it to the commander of his army. Joab, go number them. What did Joab do? Oh, David, no, this sounds wrong. I think this is a bad plan. I don't think you should be doing this. Why do you want to do this? You're going to bring evil on the whole nation. Don't do it, David. Now, we're talking about giant killing, rock slinging David. This is at the end of his life. You know what I mean? This is, here it is. He's got something entered his brain, a thought. And he didn't run it through any filters. He didn't do anything. He took hold of this thought. He said, I'm going to act on it. I'm going to agree with it. And he brought forth destruction. And then, if you know the rest of the story, there was a whole plague and a lot of people died. And it all was because of David did not handle the gate right he did not take every thought and make it captive to the obedience of the lord now let's go who has the next one uh matthew 16 23 okay read that okay so he told peter peter has a great idea that, Lord, it's not, you're not going to die on a cross. That's what is, you know, don't say that. Jesus, don't say that. Don't say that. You're not going to die. Jesus turns around immediately and he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not savoring the things of God. So he, Peter had a thought, and then what does he go on and say there? He says, because Satan had put it into you're not, what do you say? Your thought, because these thoughts of yours don't come from God. Now, how are you in your own life? I'm just asking you, how do you in your own life open the gate and bring forth the kingdom of darkness? Where does it start? It starts with a thought. It starts with a thought for people who don't know or don't care what would be the appropriate thought according to the Word of God. We were talking about this morning with Lonnie and Carolyn, the literal biblical illiteracy in the church is staggering. Staggering. People don't know the Word. How? Are you going to be able to stop a satanic thought when you don't even know what the Bible says? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B I'm just asking, do you have any other ideas? I'm wondering, what's your plan? I'm, I'm up for suggestions for good plans other than knowing the Word of God to stop yourself from being a port of deception and destruction. Anybody have any ideas? There's not any. That is. It's what do you do with it? Do you know what to do with it? I'm, but we, who gives Satan, in the, in the situation with David, who gave Satan his power? In the situation with Peter, who was going to give Satan power? But who stopped it? Nope. He lowered, nope, lowered the boom on it. It's not happening. I recognize the devil, and that's not happening. I mean... Nowadays, you'd be canceled for that. 
<laughs> You'd be canceled for saying, you know, you can't say that. You can't say that. I'm offended. I'm just offended. I could tell y'all a story about my, I won't, I won't, because it's recorded, and you know, I'd be, I'd be offensive. <laughs> you know, I'm real worried about being offensive. I'd be more offensive if I wasn't recorded, though. Okay, John 13 and 2. Okay. Okay. Who... Where did he put it in? Well, soul and heart, they're interchangeable words. It can be, he put it in his, it's the same, it's all, it's just right here. Seemed like a good idea. Seemed like a good idea. Yes, Mike? Mm-hmm. Mike, if we could just use that one, that one matrix, just that one little simple kindergarten matrix, that rubrics, if it stops what God told you to do, don't stop. How many people today with calls on the, how many times, I'm just going to ask you, you don't, I don't want to show up hands. But I want you to assess how many times in your life have you gotten off track or not stayed completely on track or never really got on track or, or did a lot of starting and stopping and doing what you felt like God had called you to do just because you had thoughts that disrupted your plan. You know what I mean? Did you have something? Lust. Mm -hmm. That's it. But do we know what are vain? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Now I'm going to read Acts 5. And this is one of the most, this is the one of the most challenging. I mean, how many of y'all, we live in a, we live in an age where Hyper grace. You know, I say hyper grace. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's just like grace, grace. And they use grace in a way that it perverts what grace actually is. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, don't judge me. I'm under grace. I, you know? I mean, what? What? Grace would look like victory in your life, not drunkenness night after night. I'm just saying, we need to be able to design. See, that's again, again, there are deceptive spirits in the land. Let me read this to you. This, this is a time when great grace was on the church. So if great grace, if great grace is this weird ability to sin and it be okay with God, then we need to rip this chapter out. We'll decide later if we want to. On the other hand, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a property. He kept back some of the proceeds with his wife's full knowledge and brought part of it and set it before the feet of the emissaries or the apostles. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of your land? While it remained unsold, it was your own, wasn't it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? How did the deed get into how did this deed get into your heart? Oh man. You haven't lied to men, but to God. As soon as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and died. Great fear came upon those who heard it. The young men got up and wrapped him in a shroud and carried him out to be buried. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter responded to her, Tell me, you sold the land for this much? She said, Yeah, that's how much. Then Peter said to her, How did you agree to test the Spirit of God? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out too. Immediately she fell down dead at their feet and died. When the young men came back in, they found her dead and carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole community who heard these things. This was a time of great grace on the church. Now as I look at that, how many of y'all... I'm... <laughs> 
I mean, no, I don't even know what to say here. How many of us want this type of a, a power move in the church? Now, who, who put, how did this whole deed get in the, in the workings? Satan put it in there. What is the gates of hell? I just proved it. You don't want to say it, though. <laughs> you, know, you, didn't want to, you didn't want to go. See, you didn't want to take that leap with me, did you? I've just showed you over and over again how Satan put it in their mind and destruction was carried out. Satan put it in their mind and it was carried out. Satan put it in their mind and it was carried out. Satan put it in their mind and it was carried out. But then I said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What are the gates of hell? I will say it this way. It is the old mind of the carnal man in the worldly operating system. The gates of hell. I thought it was someplace in the Middle East. <laughs> I thought it was some, you know, like when I'm binding spirits. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm a spiritual warrior. I'm doing this and that. And Satan's going, you sure are. You're doing a good job. You deserve a promotion. Nobody's giving you what you need. I know it. I am. That's true. I don't even like that pastor anymore. He don't see my gifting. I'm so powerful. He needs to, I'm going to go to another church where I get fed. Gates of hell shall not prevail. Satan's like, Ah, <laughs> uh, see? Gates of hell. Yeah, I would love for, you know, we thought it's something in the core of the earth. You know, now, I'm not disputing the fact. When, when Jesus said that to Peter, that's in um, Matthew 16. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Simon and Barjona, who do you, Simon, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Um, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Simon Barjona, but it was revealed to you by my spirit. And upon this rock I will build my church. Upon what rock? You just said it. What you said? Of Christ. Revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. Where does revelation knowledge come to? Your spirit. Ah. It's, up, it's a gate. See, we're, we're a gate. We're a gate. So flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So he's showing Peter how the gate swings on heaven's side. See, you got this whole system out here in the world. It is so easy to jump in the world system and swim in that current. How many of you find that hard? Yeah, it's, it's easy. Somebody gets mad at you, you get mad back. Somebody, somebody you know, does this to you, 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 you know. I'm not saying you do that. But how many, I mean, you're just honest and you're like, when somebody cusses you out and flips you off in traffic, there's a moment you're not like going, I just love them. Oh, Lord, I love them. Hmm. I mean, I know, I, gosh, why am I holding the microphone in the midst of such piety? Dear God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. When they're like, did you hear what they said about you? And this is your best friend telling you, and you're like, well, no, no. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know. What should I say? And you're like, before you know it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's what I just do. I just, that's, see, we don't, and that's, there's, that was easy. That was easy. That was easy. It's harder when that person comes to you and go. It's going to cost you something. You're going to look like, you know, you're going to look like a bad guy here to go, why don't you shut up? I don't like that line of talk. You're bringing, 
Why are you being so, de- why are you being so destructive? All you're doing is you're not bringing anything good to the conversation. You're not doing anything good to edify and build up. I think you just need to shut up. You're like, I don't say that because then they wouldn't be my friend. Maybe you'll say it in your style. Maybe you'll soften it down a little bit. But don't be careful you don't get it too soft that you've lost the message entirely. Because pretty soon all you've resorted to is soup and soap. Pretty soon all you're doing is you're just, you're just peddling out soft stuff that makes people happy. And you're not challenging anybody where they live. Does this make sense to y'all? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is more than just um, studying about people in an ancient text. This is about how we daily, we daily, daily interact as a gate. A gate, a gate. But see, this is going to get powerful. This gets so powerful when we understand this. The gate serves as a point of governmental release. We either release the gates of hell or we release the gates of heaven. Go back. Done. Thank you. And so, as we see in Genesis 28 and 17, we see that Jacob went to sleep and had a dream on his way to visit his father-in-law, Laban, on run, running from his brother, his twin brother Esau. He goes to sleep at a place called Luz, and he sleeps and he dreams in a ladder. He sees a ladder that is set up between heaven and earth. And on this ladder, angels are ascending and descending, right? At the top, who's at the top of the ladder? God. God's at the top, and angels are ascending and descending. What is that like a picture of to you? Like when you see that, you've got God at the top of a ladder, and angels are going up and down on the ladder. What, what, I mean, what just comes to mind there? Anything. I mean, there's prayer, okay. And the angels are doing what? Okay, so they're connecting. Oh, we've got a ladder that's connecting two places, two, two realms, right? So we've got this. We've got this intercessory thing that we're seeing. But we've, we've already said that intercessory is not just prayer, is it? Intercessory is not just prayer. Right, so we see there's a hole. That's all up there, right? That's all up there. I, I can't, I, I would love, I mean, you know what? I'm a boss. I'm a bossy person. And I would love to boss up there, but they just won't let me. They won't let me, you know, I want to, you know, I want to tell Michael and the art, you know, and all this. I can't get up there. All I, I'm down here. You know what I mean? I'm in my sphere of this environment. And so we see that Jacob is here and he's asleep and he dreams this dream and he wakes up and he's like, oh, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. He said, this is Bethel. I'm going to name this place Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the What is it? What's the next word? This is the gate of heaven. The house of God, then, is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven. The house of God is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven is the intercessory place on earth. Jesus, flip the pages. We are now all the way into the beginning of the Gospels. Jesus has just been baptized by John in the Jordan, and he's going through, and he, he sees a man who's coming toward him named Nathaniel. Nathaniel's coming to check him out because he's heard reports that this guy might be the Messiah. Now, mind you, the Jews at this time have been looking for the Messiah. Many false messiahs came before Jesus and after so everyone who's coming, what are you doing? You're checking out. If the, Would y'all be any different? No, you're checking out. And so Jesus sees Nathaniel, and, he, and somebody said he's from, he's from um, Nazareth. He's from Nazareth. And, and he says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And he's trying to go through prophecies. He, he's processing prophecies in his mind. Prophecies about the Messiah. He's like, Nazareth, I don't, what, what can, what's good about, what about Nazareth is a prophecy about the Messiah coming? And so he says, and, it, and he's told, just come and see, just come and see. 
And so he gets there, and he's walking up to, can you imagine the introduction? You're Nathaniel, and I'm Jesus. I get to be Jesus here. Okay. No, I'll go, you know. And, you know, you're walking up, and Jesus reaches out and shakes your hand. I don't, they probably didn't shake hands. He said, Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He said, Lord, he said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel was like, what? I was under the fig tree. So something, and he was like, he had a word of knowledge, and there was probably some prayer or something, something significant under the fig tree, the fig tree moment. And he's like, whoa, you just freaked me out. And he said, there's something otherworldly about you, right? And Jesus, I love it. I love it. This is the part I wanted to get to. He said, because, he said whoa, you are the cross. I mean, he's, he's, boy, he's a, that's me. I'm a quick adapter, just so y'all know. So he's like, you are the cross. Man, that's cool. You probably are him. You're the anointed one. And Jesus said, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, you're like all in. He said, you're going to see greater things than these. He said, you're going to see the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. And he said, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He knows his Bible. He knows his Bible. What did he just tell? What did he just tell Nathaniel in biblical language? He said, I am the the ladder. I'm the ladder. I'm the connection piece. I am the one who is from that world and this world, and I'm going to connect the two worlds. Boy, that sounds a whole lot like an intercessor with the ministry of reconciliation, doesn't it? He's connecting the two worlds. Isaiah 55 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What do we need? The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts we need a ladder we're going to need some kind of connection to your ways God and we're going to need some kind of connection to your thoughts because if I can get your thoughts going through my gate I can release the kingdom of God instead of taking in all these diabolical dark side thoughts and releasing that kind of destruction into the world around me on my children and my children's children it's what I got handed to me from my grandma my great-grandma my great-great-great-great-grandpappy and I've just carried it on because they taught me how to think They taught me how to process. And I, they taught me how to think, but those were down low thoughts. And you're saying there's some, God, you said there are up high thoughts that I can't actually get to? We need a ladder to connect the two. Isaiah goes on to tell us in his prophetic, poetic language. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But as the rain, just as, we're setting up an, we're setting up an analogy, but as the rain and the snow fall from heaven and they drop to the earth, what did the rain and snow just do? They acted like a ladder. They just connected heaven to earth. Rain and snow came from this atmosphere, this realm, and they dropped on this realm. They came from this realm, and they dropped on this realm. And when they dropped on this realm, they did something. As the rain and snow, I have to say it in my mind, I can't keep quoting it in midstream. As the rain and snow descend from heaven, and they water the earth, and they give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. They do what they're going to do. So shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I have sent it to do. It will connect, and it will cause fruitfulness to grow on this earth. 
Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Nothing that was made was made without the Word. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shone in the dark. You know the story. So what am I saying? Because of Jesus' work of extending, His mediary work of extending heaven to earth, He connected that realm to this realm. And then He goes on in the New Testament, He said, I hope I showed y'all the picture that I'm the ladder and I'm the gate. I connected. I bring fruitfulness. But then there's more. But wait. I mean, I can get you to buy a, a fry oven with, you know, but wait. Let me throw in something else. But on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, and they were gathered together in an upper room, and they heard a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and cloven tongues of fire sat on each of them. Where did the Holy Spirit come from? Heaven too. And there we have. How is your gate going to work, Andy? How's my... <laughs> I mean, he's going to... The Spirit of God is going to dwell my spirit when I am born of the Spirit. You must be born again. If you're not born of the Spirit, you're not going to heaven. You are only one kind of gate. You must be born of the Spirit. When that holy, when I said, God, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. My Spirit that was connected, disconnected from God, and thereby dead went. <gasps> and the Holy Spirit stepped inside the place that was fitted for Him. And He begins to convey information to my spirit. And then where do I take that information and convey it to? The gate. The gate. The gate. And that's how if you're led of the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's how when you're led of the Spirit, I won't need to give you a rule. I got a rule inside of me. I don't need, see, and then, see, I've got the Spirit of God. I believe in these last, and we're leaving right now. I believe in these last days we have closed the Holy Spirit out of our lives and thereby doomed ourselves to a life of psychological mumbo-jumbo where there is a flood, I tell you, a flood of humanism and mind control coming into the church. And the church is eating it up like Christmas pudding. And they are taking it and they are trying to manifest things by energy and aura and all kinds of crap because they don't know enough of the Word of God to understand the biology, the physiology, the actual makeup of what a child of God is. They don't know how to receive of the Spirit, take the spiritual things, and actually bring their thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and then to manifest Christ. Not their best life now. You're a gate. And we're fixing to get into more of this. You are a gate. You are a gate. And let me tell you, if your spirit is not born of the Holy Spirit, born of God, you just got this spirit out there, you know what you're subject to? All kinds of spirits. You want to go get your palm read? Go right ahead. Get you a demon. That'll be good. You want to go get your tarot cards read? Sure. Then you'll be coming to me because you want to claw your eyes out in the middle of the night. You'll be coming to me saying, I don't know, I've got something going on. You see what I'm saying? We've got to be aware of how this works. And we've got to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And we're going to get into more of this. And we're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit. We're going to learn how to be the gate that the kingdom of God deserves. We're gone. <laughs>